Hi, this is Jimmy and Karen Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. And today we're talking about disarming anger and resolving conflicts. Karen, you've never had anger and we've never had a conflict, right? Never. <laughs> it's kind of like you said, though, in the past episodes of the passive aggressive stuff. It's like, you know, I think it's one of those things that everybody gets angry. You know, we're sure. all, we all sure. have our ways of dealing with life and situations. And um, I think, you know, for, for sure, mine was, I would take and take and take and then all of a sudden explode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we both were very dysfunctional in how we dealt with uh, anger and conflict early in our relationship. And we just didn't know. We had no idea. You don't know unless somebody teaches you. And also, you have your family of origin. And many times in my family, we just didn't make eye contact. Mm-hmm. I never one time growing up ever saw anger resolved right. Mm-hmm. And so you bring that into your marriage. Well, remember how you would go to bed and we would have these horrible fights and you would go to bed and I'm up like so distressed and I'm in the other room and I'm like, I can't believe he didn't sleep after all he just happened. I would get so upset and I love it because you were the one going to bed on your anger and I was the one still up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was it was terrible. So this this teaching and this coming up here in just a few minutes is going to talk about the rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you get you're going to get angry. Okay, so the main thing that you have to do is uh, don't let your emotions control you. If if I could say anything mm-hmm. about marriage, it is do not let your emotions control you. Now, True. in your in your soul, uh, Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, this is interesting because he's basically telling us there there's four dimensions of love. There's four manifestations of love. One is physical, our body. One is mental, it's our mind. One is spiritual, that's our spirits. Mm -hmm. But one is emotional. Our soul is the seat of our will and our emotions. But here's the question, which one presides, our will or our emotions? See, many people are very controlled by their emotions. Their emotions are their reality. Mm -hmm. And see, even though my emotions may be very real, it doesn't mean they're right. And it doesn't mean they should be acted on. And so whenever your emotions are over your will, it means you're weak-willed. And you're going to live a very emotion-controlled life. It ruins your marriage. It ruins your life. You're never happy. You know, if you are, it's very temporary. But when your will is over your emotions, what it means is, okay, I'm angry, mm-hmm. okay, but I am not going to let my emotions control me. Well, and I think we both came into the marriage with past hurts from our childhood that, yeah. you know, we didn't know how to deal with things. We didn't yeah. know how to deal with all the stuff that had happened to us. And so, you know, there would be trigger points with both of us that would cause us to lash out and, you know, don't, you know, don't touch me. It's just, it's just that protective you're hurting me, and I don't know how to get out of this. Yeah. And, you know, for me personally, what I had to do is always go back to God's Word and, you know, let the Lord start changing me because um, I knew I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle the feelings and the emotions. They were too much for me, and I hated how I acted at, at, with that anger. And so, you know, I started going to the Word of God and just finding what He had to say, and slowly he healed my heart, so I wasn't reactive anymore. And I, I'm a big forgiver. It's like I don't want unforgiveness in my heart. That's poison. And so, you know, I'm always, you know, looking at not being a 
offensive and forgiving and and staying in the Word of God where He can take care of those situations. Yeah, and I think your relationship with with the Lord and your relationship with the Word um, is what grounded you Mm -hmm. and kept you healthy. The people who live in chronically bad marriages, this is research now, live an average of four years less than other people. Uh, Anger, the long-term anger causes depression. It causes intestinal problems, skin problems. It causes nervous disorders and mental problems and all kinds of problems. And so you have to get anger out of your marriage every single day. And this teaching now that's coming up now, this is going to help you to understand how you can be angry, but how you can process that anger as a couple every single day and live in a healthy marriage. And so we hope this was helpful to you today. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already and leave a review. We love hearing how this helps your marriage. And let's listen to this teaching on resolving anger. I want to talk about anger and conflict resolution. If you're going to deal, if you're going to keep your relationship pure, you've got to be able to deal with conflict and anger. See, in good marriages, you fight. There can be conflict in good marriages. A good marriage is not a marriage where you never fight. And by the way, if you never fight, it could be because someone's dominating the relationship. So the lack of conflict doesn't always mean something good's going on. But there's nothing wrong with anger. There's nothing wrong with conflict. But you have to be able to process it without damaging each other. That's the main thing that you have to do in marriage. And most of us did not have a good role model growing up on how to resolve conflict. Now, in the home that I grew up in, um, we, we didn't know how to deal with conflict. And we never did. The, uh, we just didn't look at each other. So There was never a time in my family growing up where I ever saw someone say, hey, I'm really upset and you did something that bothered me and could we sit down and talk about it? We just didn't look at each other. And so for days at a time. And so you knew that someone was angry because they wouldn't look at you and you knew they were over it because they looked at you. Okay, so that's the family I grew up in. So Karen's family, uh, now to me they were crazy. Okay, so... Uh, but they were very much more healthy than my family because they would yell. Uh, they'd be mad and they would yell uh, at each other. Then they would cry and make up. And I just thought, you people need to be normal and just don't look at each other. <laughs> What's wrong with you? We have some friends in Houston. Uh, they are maybe the most dysfunctional couple I've ever heard of. Now, they have a marriage ministry now. They're wonderful people. But uh, <laughs> So... They got in a fight one day, and she, she was kind of mouthy, and he was kind of quiet. So they got in a fight one day, and she was just, yeah, 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 you know, like that. So he just quietly, he was a, he was a builder. Uh, he just quietly walked out the door, walked out to his truck, got his nail gun, nailed all the doors and windows shut and left. <laughs> she couldn't get out of the house. I hope I didn't give anybody any ideas. So let me say, <laughs> let me talk about the four don'ts of anger. Let's talk about anger and conflict resolution. This is Ephesians 4. Uh, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't don't let the sun go down uh, on your wrath. Don't uh, give place to the devil. So here's the number one don't. Don't deny your anger. There's nothing wrong with anger. God gets angry. Don't deny it. Be angry. Jesus got angry and cleansed the temple twice. Anger is a healthy, normal thing that human beings experience. So there's nothing wrong with it. You never become so spiritual that you don't get angry. 
for the rest of your life, regardless of your level of spiritual maturity or emotional maturity, you're gonna have some anger. Now, children of divorce have a lot harder time with anger. And I wanna read you an excerpt from a book called The Unexpected Legacy of Divorce by Judith Wallerstein and Sandra Blakesley. And I'm reading now. Because children of divorce don't know how to negotiate conflict well, many reach for the worst solutions when trouble strikes. For example, some will sit on their feelings, not mentioning complaints or differences until their suppressed anger blows the guy's eye. Others burst into tears and are immobilized or retreat into themselves or the next room and close the door. But the most common tendency is to run away at the first serious disagreement and wrestle with unconscious demons. This is because from the perspective of a child of divorce, any argument can be the first step in an inevitable chain of conflict that will destroy the marriage. And so if you're a child of divorce, or if you're married to one, you've gotta really take this issue seriously. And so the steps that I'm going through are in my book, okay, so this is one of the chapters in my book. You need to read it every day. You need to become a master of this. Some of the people that I know who were the worst in dealing with anger are now experts in dealing with anger. And the first step is just saying, I don't know how to do it. I didn't have good role models growing up, and most of us didn't have good role models growing up. But if you're a child of divorce, really, really pay attention. Listen, there's nothing wrong with anger. Don't fear anger. Just because it ended your parents' marriage doesn't mean it needs to end yours. If you learn how to deal with your anger, it's fine. Don't feel guilty about your anger. There's nothing wrong. Now, when we get angry, we're not saying that our anger is necessarily right. I can be angry because someone legitimately violated me, but I can also be angry because I'm ignorant. A lot of my anger early in our marriage was because I didn't understand women. Karen was a normal woman, and I, think, I thought, she's beautiful, I'm very attracted to her physically, but she's the strangest person I've ever met. That's what I thought, I really did, but she was normal. But in my ignorance, I, you know, I got angry. Misunderstanding, immaturity, we get, we get uh, angry because we're immature. Unrealistic expectations cause anger, stress causes anger. So I'm not saying that my anger's right, I'm just saying it's real. And I want to be able to process it in our home. Listen, the hallmark of dysfunction is not allowing emotions to come out. Silence. In dysfunctional families, you can't be real, you can't feel, and you can't talk. In a functional family, we just allow feelings, we, we, we talk, we express things. It doesn't mean, again, that we worship our emotions or we do it in an unhealthy way, but we're able to talk, there's nothing wrong with it, okay? So if you, by the way, if you don't deal with your anger, it causes health problems, emotional problems, and all kinds of problems. So you, when you bottle up anger, it doesn't go away. It just begins to cause all kinds of problems. You also have to cultivate an atmosphere of honesty in your, in your home, in your marriage. You have to cultivate an atmosphere of honesty. And here's what he said. You have to tell your spouse, I want you to be honest with me, and you will not pay a price. I may not disagree with you, but you won't pay a price for being honest. Well, let me talk about customer relations counter. Your favorite stores and my favorite stores have customer relations counters. And the best stores have the best customer relations counter. Now, they're, they're great stores, but they still have problems. The best stores still have problems. And they know they have, they're gonna have problems, and so they have a customer relations counter. And so there's a store that, that I love dealing with. It's a clothing store. You would know the name of it. And I bought a leather jacket there 10, 15 years ago, and after a couple of years, the, the shoulder went out on it. And I took it in, and I set it on the counter where they, in the area where they sold the jackets, and a young lady was at the counter and I said, yeah, if, if y'all would fix that, I'd really do appreciate it. And she said, well, what went wrong with it? And I said, I don't know. I said, it just kind of blew up. You know? And she looked at it, she said, well, it sure did, didn't it? She said, how long have you had that jacket? And I said, oh, a couple of years. And she said, well, Mr. Evans, why don't you just go over there and get you another one? 
I said, well, I don't want to buy another one. I said, if y'all just fix that, that's great. And she said, no, no, go get, go get another one. We'll give you another one. Just go get another one. I said, you want me to go over there and get another one? She said, just go get another one. We'll give you another one. And I said, really? Well, so I went over there and picked out a little, it was a little bit more expensive than that one. And, <laughs> and I brought it back over and, uh, and I said, well, here, honey, this, I, I like this jacket, but it's, better, it's more expensive than this one was. And she said, she scanned the deal. And she said, thank you, Mr. Evans. Goodbye. I love the store. I love her. I lo- well, you know, it doesn't make you feel good. It just makes you feel good that you can take something back and they're not going to shame you and hassle you and stuff like that. Well, someone gave me a shirt one day for, for like birthday and um, it, it was sized. It was, six, it was 16 and a half, 36 shirt, my size. And so I... Karen was doing some ironing. I said, Karen, would you press this thing? I'm going to wear the shirt. So I, I put it on and it didn't fit. It was an Italian cut. And so. So. I took it to the store. Took it back to the store. Put it back in the box. Took it to the store. And uh, went up to the counter. And this is a guy behind the counter. And I said, hey, uh, this, someone gave me this shirt from a birthday or whatever. And I said, it doesn't fit. And I, if I could just exchange it. And he opened the box and looked at it. And he said, this shirt's been worn and pushed it back at me. We don't take back used merchandise. And I said, no, it actually hadn't been worn. I said, my wife pressed it, but I didn't wear it. I said, it just, it just doesn't fit. I just want to get another one. I pushed it back at him. He said, no, it's been worn. He pushed it back at me. And I just kind of stared at him and I said, no, it, it hadn't been worn. I want to get another one. And so he went and get, got his manager. Well, his manager came back and uh, his manager came back and never looked at me, never acknowledged my presence. So the manager walks up, and so this guy standing behind the counter says, this guy wants to bring this shirt back, but it's been worn. I said, no, it hadn't been worn. But the manager never looked at me. So the manager took the shirt out of the box, and he held it up to the light like this. And then he started sniffing the armpits. And I just thought, you guys really need to be thankful. I know Jesus. And I'm just thinking, oh. I've never been back in that store. I don't, want to, I don't want to be hassled like that. Well, let me say, whether you realize it or not, if you're married, you have a customer relations counter. And here's the kind of customer relations counter you need to have for your spouse. Baby, I want to be your department store of love. And I'm trying to put everything in my store that I think you'll like, but I am imperfect. But if you ever have a complaint, you just come right here and see me. I'm going to give you another one. (laughs) Oh, yes, I will. Or you can have this kind of a customer relations counter. (laughs) But you have a customer relations counter. And so in marriage... We should have a customer relations counter and anger is legal in our family. Anger is, angles, anger is a normal, okay, normal thing. Anger is legal. Number two, don't. Of anger, don't justify sin because you're angry. Be angry, don't sin. That's what Paul says. Don't justify anger. A lot of people do the wrong thing in response to what their spouse is doing and wonder why something good doesn't happen. You can only defeat a spirit with the opposite spirit. 
And when you're responding fire with fire, or spite with spite, or hatefulness with hatefulness, you're never gonna solve the problem. So be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down. This is the third, don't. Don't let the sun go down. There's nothing wrong with today's anger, okay? But yesterday's anger is the problem. That's where destructive anger comes from. It is yesterday's anger. So one of the best habits that you make as a married couple is we're not gonna go to bed angry. We're gonna process our anger today. Number four, don't, is don't give a place to the devil. Be angry, don't sin, don't go to bed on your anger, or you'll give a foothold to the devil. So when you go to bed on anger, you open a door to diabolos, that's the word for devil. Diabolos, which means slander. Here's what it means. Today's anger is manageable. Today, there's nothing wrong with today's anger. We're gonna be able to talk about it. The devil does not have access to today's anger. But when I go to bed on anger, he slithers in, he's stealthy. He doesn't tell you it's you. Your anger gave him an open door to come in and to slander your spouse to you. And all night long, you're laying in bed and thoughts are in your mind that didn't originate with God or you. They came from the devil. You wake up the next morning thinking you're enlightened. You're actually deceived. And now you begin to look at your spouse through the devil's eyes with deeply held beliefs that are deceived because you went to bed on anger and the devil began to access that anger. How do I know? Because I did it for three years. For the first three years of our marriage, we fought constantly. Remember, I was the silent type. This was, this was my iniquity, that I, I went to bed on anger constantly. Hundreds of times I went to bed angry at Karen. And so um, I believed that Karen was the problem and I believed that I'd married the wrong woman. I, had, I, I truly believed those two things. The night that the Lord saved our marriage, and I know Karen had been praying a lot, is that I was in the living room, and that's when I had read that morning, John 16, the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. I had told Karen to get out of the house. She was in the bedroom crying, I was in the living room. And I said the first ounce of humility I'd ever shown in our marriage, I said, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a husband. And the deception of three years fell off of my eyes. And I saw myself, I was an arrogant man, and I thought that I was wonderful and Karen was all the problem. The next instant after I prayed that prayer, I saw my wife as the precious gift of God that she was. And I saw myself for the idiot I was. God saved me. The Holy Spirit brought truth into my life. Listen, I had been looking at Karen through the devil's eyes. Now I was looking at her through God's eyes. If you go to bed on anger, you give a foothold to Diabolos and he will slander your spouse to you. And if you've done that, you need to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to, to break that deception off. You have deeply held beliefs about your spouse that are wrong because you, left a, you, you gave a foothold. Here are the four steps of conflict resolution. The number one is confront in a loving and positive manner. Okay. You begin, always begin a confrontation. Now, again, you're dealing with anger today. So now you may have to cool off for two or three hours, that's fine, okay. But you're gonna deal with it today. You begin in a confront in a loving and positive manner. Proverbs 15, one, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger, okay. And so research proves that a conversation never rises above the level of the first three minutes. What you do in the first three minutes of a conversation set that conversation up for success or failure. So here's the way you need to start a conversation with your spouse. Hey, I love you. I'm upset and I wanna talk, but I love you and we're on the same team and I'm glad, I'm glad I married you. I would choose you all over again, but I'm upset. I'm upset and I need to talk, okay? So that's sweet, that's great, no problem. Or you can do it this way. Um, 
I'm mad. You made me mad again. And I've been on onehourdivorce.com. And I just fill out all the forms and I'm ready to hit enter, depending on how you respond. So you can try that. Start sweet. A soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Number two step in conflict resolution is complain and don't criticize. There's a huge difference. Now, when you give your spouse, when you have a customer relations counter and you give your spouse the right to complain, there's a huge difference between complaining and criticizing. Criticizing is about you, complaining is about me. So here's what you don't do. When you're confronting your spouse, you don't go, you know, you, 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 you did this and you did this and here's what you meant by that. I know what you meant by that. You, 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 you. And by the way, the judge and jury have met. Your sentence has been decided but we're gonna give you an opportunity to confess and ask for leniency, go ahead. Well, we hate that. You've judged me, you know, you think you know everything, you're not even asking for my input, I hate that, okay? But here's complaining. So complaining is, I wanna tell you how I feel. Something happened between us, I don't know what you meant by it, but let me tell you how I feel. So let me give you two examples of this. And so uh, Karen says something to me that hurts my feelings. And I come to Karen and I say to Karen, hey Karen, uh, you said something just a little while ago that hurt me. And um, I think you're trying to pay me back for what happened yesterday because that's just kind of the way you are. <laughs> well, that conversation could go south in a hurry. I'm judging her and I'm criticizing her, okay? Here's complaining. Karen, you said something to me earlier and, and it bothered me. I'm not saying that you meant to. Can I tell you how it made me feel? And, but I'm not saying I'm right. I'm, I'm not in any way trying to interpret your behavior. It made me feel like maybe you're trying to pay me back for yesterday, but, but I'm not saying you were. I'm not judging you, I'm not criticizing you, I'm not attacking you. And at that point, Karen doesn't feel attacked and she says, no, Jimmy, that's just not true at all. I, that, I didn't mean anything by that. You can, you can complain all you want to because complaining is talking about me but criticizing is attacking the other person. Here's the third step in conflict resolution. It's listen to your spouse, listen to them. Now listen to me, if you've gone to bed on anger, you believe things about them that are wrong. And when they begin to say things that don't line up with your beliefs, you begin to argue with them. But they're not wrong, you're wrong. But let me read you 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not prate itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So if you're gonna have successful conflict with your spouse, you begin sweetly, you complain, but you don't criticize, and then you listen. And when you say, Karen, what did you mean by that? And Karen says, Jimmy, I don't even remember making that statement. And I don't even remember what you're talking about yesterday. That I'm not mad. And I'd say, yeah, you are, Karen. You just don't realize it. <laughs> well, I'd say, okay, that's great. Here's the step number four. Forgive and let it go. Forgive. Now, let me say something about, about anger and going to bed on anger. Now, so let's just say that you have a fight and your spouse will not process it with you. They won't sit down and talk to you about it. You can devil-proof your heart before you go to bed, even if they won't talk about it. And the way you do that is you forgive them before you go to bed. And you say, Lord, I'm, I'm upset, but I forgive them, I love them, I pray that you will protect my heart, okay? So even if, even if both sides aren't forgiving. But 
at the end of a conversation, let's just say that, that one of you is 90% wrong and the other person is 10% wrong. You both need to repent and ask for forgiveness. You both need to forgive. If I'm only 10% wrong, I need to say to Karen, Karen, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for what I said. Will you, for, will you forgive me? And Karen says, yes, Jimmy, I do forgive you. And then the other person says, the, the most healing words in marriage are these words. I'm so sorry. Will you please forgive me? I was wrong. And then you forgive. Let me, let me tell you a story and I'll close. Um, the Lord had healed our marriage. And, um, but we, we had a couple of issues that we talked about that, that you know, weren't fights, but they were just kind of intense conversations. And I got tired of them. I just wanted the conversation to be over with. And Karen said to me one day, she said, Jimmy, I wish I could record you and just show you, play, play back your voice to show you how harsh you are when you're talking to me on these issues. And I said, I'm not harsh, Karen. I'm not harsh. And uh, so I was praying one morning, and I know Karen was praying for me, and the Lord healed me with one scene. It was, or two scenes, one, one little foot. So I was reading Ephesians 5, and it says, Jesus washes his bride in the washing of water with word. And the next instant, I, I was the bride of Christ. I could see myself with a wedding gown on. It was filthy. It was completely filthy. And Jesus was there. And he was taking his hands and putting them in water, a basin of water, and putting it very gently over my head. And what I realized was he had been doing that since the day I got saved. And he was going to do it until the last day of my life. But he, he wasn't in a hurry to get all the stuff off of me. The next scene that I saw was Karen in a wedding dress and I had a fire hose and I was hosing her down. <laughs> and her, her veil was blown back, her dress was blown back and I was just trying to get her fixed. And um, what I realized was is that Jesus is just a lot more gracious than Jimmy. And Jesus is a lot more gentle than Jimmy. And where Jesus is so patient, we're all messed up. But isn't Jesus gentle? He loves us just the way we are, but he wants us to get better, but he doesn't threaten and he's not rough with it. And the next time I got, you know, we got in that conversation, I gave Karen a kiss on the cheek and I said something to her real nice and I walked away. I didn't try to escalate it at all. And I did that for, you know, from then on. I, I, it healed me. When the Lord did that, it healed me instantly right then. It was several days later that Karen came up to me. I was in my office at home and she walked up to the door of my office and she looked in and she said, now I notice what you're doing. And I said, well, like what? She said, you know what I'm talking about. And she said, I like it, Jimmy, thank you. You know, I like it too because it's hard being God. It's a big job. Trying to fix everybody, you know? And here's what I decided we're gonna have problems for the rest of our married life and that's okay. I don't have to fix you. We both have issues and we're gonna, we wanna be the best spouse we can be, but we're still human beings. Jesus can only relate to us based on grace because we're all messed up, somebody say amen. amen. And we can only relate to each other based on grace. There's gonna be, have to be a lot of forgiveness that goes around if we're gonna have a good marriage and be able to resolve our anger. And so, anger's normal, we all experience it. And in good marriages, there's anger and there's conflict. But the ability to handle our anger and not let the devil get into it, and the ability to resolve our conflicts 
is a huge deal to get anger out of the relationship. Let me say, let me tell you why God uses me. I asked the Lord one day, I said, Lord, why, why did you ever choose me to do this? And let me tell you the answer. Because if I can change, anyone can change. I'm not special in any way. I'm just an example of what God can do with any ordinary person who's willing to change. If your marriage is terrible, like my friend who nailed his wife in the house, <laughs> they have a marriage ministry. They're the most wonderful couple simply because they put their marriage in God's hands. Hey, this is Brent Evans with Exo Marriage, and I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, hey, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need. For more great marriage content, check out exomarriage.com where you can see all of our marriage building resources, articles, and live events.